Sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear you come in. I couldn't hear you over the drums. Good day, everyone, and welcome to a Drew story. Episode two, I sit down with my mate Simon Blackburn. The two of us met through our shared passion for podcasting and being a part of the same online community. And earlier this year, Simon started his new podcast, Take My Tone a show all about music discovery. Listening to the show reminded me of when I played drums in high school, how much fun it was, the hours I put into it, the struggles, but most of all, how good it made me feel playing music with others. When I found out Simon was also a drummer, I was really keen to hear how we got into it, the highs, the lows, and what he loves most about being a drummer. But we better not keep him waiting, so without further ado, let's kick into the show. Simon Blackburn, welcome to A Drew Story. Thanks very much for having me. No, no worries. Uh, so I've got you on because I want to talk drumming with you. Drumming, mm. drumming's been something I've sort of uh, really enjoyed uh, over the over my high school years. And even though I've dropped out of it a little bit, I'm sort of uh, still like really like it and all that. And uh, since I saw that uh, you know you're right into your music, you're right into your drumming, and that, I'd love to uh, sit down and have a talk with you about it. Fantastic, because. With my podcast being all about tech and all about songs, uh, I rarely get a chance to talk about actually playing music, so this is a, a good diversion for me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But just before we jump into that, uh, I've got some icebreaker questions for you, just so the audience can okay. sort of get to know you and uh, for me to have a bit of fun, so, so you see what your takes on some things are. So okay. the first one is, uh, what topping does not belong on a pizza? Uh, licorice. <laughs> no, that definitely doesn't. I mean, I love it by itself, but on a pizza, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So, would you be a, a pineapple man? Are you a pineapple man on the pizza? Oh, I love, yeah. I'm, I'm love pro it? pineapple. Yep. Yeah. Yep. See, I, I don't I don't like pineapple, but I've got no problem with it. I think it's a, a fine thing to have on a pizza. I just personally don't like the sweetness mixed with the savory. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I think I think why people get hung up on pizza is just because it's it's a shared food. If you don't like it, then you're stuck with it. If the other person wants it, yeah, it's it's a sacred like mm. not the the pizza itself isn't a social lubricant because that would be disgusting. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it's something that generally you know if there's a group of people, hey, pizzas, yeah, it's it's usually going to go well. Yeah, because like every now and again you see someone with like a well done steak, you're like, suit yourself, buddy. That's fine. I know someone who likes like their steak well done with like no topping. Yep. <laughs> it's like oh, it's just like eating like a, a biscuit at that point. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is uh, what is one responsibility you would love to give up and one you wouldn't like to give up? That's very interesting. Um, I'd love to not to have to be responsible responsible for paying bills <laughs> that would be, a, that'd be a, a good one i mean i feel like yeah, good, that's yeah. that's that's my that's my duty anyways the man of the house but um yeah it's uh, just to not have to pay bills would be that'd be sweet mm. so lottery come hit me up do you mean just like a random strange uh, stranger just pay them for you or you mean like your wife take over and like just fill, like, uh, pay them? i mean more just w- win the lotto and it's you're, you're yeah set. yeah that'd be sick yeah <laughs> Um, something not to give up. I don't want to give up being a father. So yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a little bit of a heart heartfelt one. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I thought that might be it because it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, I'd like to give up just to uh, not looking after my kids. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a bit uh, a bit rough. Yeah, unfortunately, there are some uh, idiots out there like that, but I'm oh, not one of them. Of course, so, yeah. hmm. yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, last one: if you could travel anywhere in the world, all expenses paid, and the kids were on their best behaviour, where would you go? I love the kids' best behaviour part because that means that the mm-hmm. long trips factor isn't isn't too bad um man where do i want to go oh this is eh, this is really hard i've always wanted to go to canada so oh yeah yep that's probably going to be the thing that usually springs to mind but yeah probably between that and italy i think Mm. yeah yeah that'd be great to go to um because the last episode of a drew story that was all about travel and we, we talked mm. a fair bit about it. And I, I brought up uh, Japan. Japan would be the place I'd love to go to. Oh, of course. The the, the home home st- uh, home ground of Nintendo. Yeah, yeah go, on a, go to Kyoto and wave to Miyamoto from his office building. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I, guess, I guess this is a question as well. But if you could ask me one question and get a 100% honest answer from me, what would it be? Okay. With this question, it's a uh, would you rather, and it involves you dying, unfortunately. Oh, so, okay. okay. W- yeah, I, I, I do not <laughs> mean any ill will. This is just one of those, if you were faced with this consequence, this is how yeah, you have to choose. Would you rather drown in a sea of furphy or mm. be cuddled to death by a group of Bulbasaur? Uh, cuddled to death by a group of Bulbasaur, but they're probably, I would assume they'll be pretty heavy at Bulbasaur, like... Just, just for context, a Bulbasaur is a Pokemon. Uh, in case there's people out there saying, "What the hell's a Bulbasaur?" It's like a little. Just imagine a little dinosaur that's about up to your knee, um, with a huge plant on its back. Yeah, with a huge bulb on its back. Hence the name, a Bulba dinosaur. Um, mm. Probably, yeah, probably, probably cuddled to death. I think, uh, I think drowning is one of the worst ways to go. Yeah, it would be particularly, but it's hard though because drowning would be quicker. Unless, I mean, unless one of the Bulbasaur just jumped on your mm. head or something and knocked you out. I guess yeah. that'd be right. And, and, you, and, <laughs> yeah. and you could say like, oh, well, Drew, you're drowning in furfy. You're drowning in a beer, so... Oh, it'd be horrible, though. Put, put, well, you could say, put your skills to your test and just drink it before you drown. <laughs> Depending how much, how much you're in, but... Uh, just, just just jump straight in the sea with a massive funnel or something. <laughs> yeah, and just like... You see, like, the water levels or the beer levels just go down, 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 and it's just left me with, like, a like, huge inflated ball just full of beer. <laughs> See how that works for me. Well, I hope that you're not faced with either of those because, yeah, if if, if you have to die from something that you love, eh, you know, yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Bulbasaur's not my favourite Pokemon, but you know, he's he's quite a he's cute, he's cute enough. I'll take a hug. I just from feel him. like that. It, I was originally going to go with Charmander, but I feel like you could just end up burning alive. Um, yeah. So that's mm. why I went with Bulbasaur because you know Squirtle might drown you. Bulbasaur, I mean, unless they start, you know, giving you a vine whip or something, it's probably just going to be like a nice little toasty cuddle in the sun. So, yeah. Uh, plus, I, th- I think that one scene in Detective Pikachu where they all come out, that just made me really, really love Bulbasaur again. Mm. And I was like, oh, I, kind, yeah. I kind of just want to just cuddle one and lay around by the side of the creek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that'll, yeah, it was so cute. Man. Just with like the big eyes, I think that's what uh, yeah. got me. Yeah. As soon as they batter those eyelids. 
<laughs> yeah, the, 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 the female ones with like the eyelashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got my rhythm going. And speaking of rhythm, we should talk about drumming. Yeah. So, Simon, I, I want to know sort of uh, back to the very start when you got into drumming. So, what year was it? Were you at high school or uh, what time was it? So, I massively just got into music in general uh, around 14, so year nine. And I. I really wanted to like be in a band and at the time I was really obsessed with either being a DJ in a band or a bass player in a band and my dad ended up saying something stupid like bass, bass playing is boring um, and <laughs> so I ended up getting a set of turntables and that didn't last very long cause, because you're at that thing where you go in all, all guns blazing being like I'm going to be awesome like thinking that you can just peel out like the coolest scratches ever and uh, when you're not awesome straight away it's a little bit deflating. <laughs> so I kind of, they sort of end up gathering dust and I kind of wish I had them now, but um, yeah. And so I end up, it's probably around year 12, we formed a little high school band. I was doing vocals, doing like rap, rap rock and stuff like that. And, but I've always been into the thing that's drawn me into music has always been the groove and the beat, right? And yeah. so I think there's always been a very th- like rhythmic part of music that I'm drawn to and it wasn't until just around um, my final year of high school that my younger brother ended up getting the the high school's old drum kit because they were giving it away it's an old pearl kit and I helped him you know like we cut it into the van and we brought it home and you know the thing was falling apart but we tried to clean it up best we could and we're sort of both kind of learning at the same time and he's just more naturally gifted than me and he ended up you know, it was kind of a little bit of a competition, but because he was six years younger than me, it was like, yeah, yeah yep. get, get, get my ass handed to me by his kid. But still, I was I was always into it, but um, because I didn't have my own kid, I couldn't really practice, right? And so it wasn't sort of until a bit later when I got into um, like programming drum beats and stuff. And, and I would always find myself just tapping like my feet all the time or my hands and I thought, okay, um, I, I want to have a go. Like, I don't have a kit, right? But, you know, my friend at the time, he was doing sort of a bit of a solo acoustic thing. He's like, oh, hey, man, you know, why don't we just sort of jam around a bit? He bought himself a small kit. And then that's when I got into actually starting to play um, an actual acoustic kit, right? Mm. And so, yeah, I still I didn't technically own anything for years. Um, we sort of did, did, uh, did a bit here and there, and, and I'm doing a few shows. So in between that and then me doing vocals in various bands, um, I've always been into that live band thing. Um, and any time I did do a jam, uh, a jam or anything and the drummer was like, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, take a bit of a break. I'd be like, oh, can, can I have a go? Can I have a go? I would always would want to just sit down and have a go. And so I ended up buying, I ended up getting an, an electric kit, which now I think is like a heap of junk. But at the time I was like, cool, <laughs> you know, I, I won't be able to annoy anyone because you chuck headphones on and that sort of thing. Yeah, they're, they're and, nowhere near as good, are they, the electric ones? No, no, no. I mean, like the really, even the really expensive ones are cool, but you just it still feels a bit weird. And yeah. this one looked a bit like, I actually used it on stage and someone thought I'd brought Guitar Hero drum kit like with me. Like it was like a small... Um, so mm. it, it looked a bit, looked like a bit of a joke, but yeah. And so again, that was sort of like on and off and that sort of band finished and then we we're uh, starting up another one. You sort of, you know, these things come and go, it's doing vocals again. And then like any sort of small local bands, you know, people, people leave and stuff like that. People move away to Perth typically, um, from where I am in Albany WA. And 
yeah, we had this uh, guitarist and drummer leave and he left his drum kit at my friend's house. And then we're like, hey man, let's just start writing some stuff, like just a guitar and drums. And that is what ended up becoming the band that I'm in now. So we were doing that just every week or every fortnight. Just, you know, oh yeah, sick man, I've come up with riffs. Because I, I always come up with riff, riff ideas and stuff and I'll hum it, record it into my voice memos, you know, whatever. Um, if an idea comes to me, I'll just do it straight away on the phone. I can't actually play it myself, but I, I can sing it to him exactly how I want to yeah. play it. And, and our guitarist is good at transposing that into an actual riff, right? Mm. I, was, I was just going to ask, sorry, do you... Uh... Can you play any other instruments or are you just strictly drums and percussion? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much that. Like, I've, I know the dedication that it takes to get good at guitar and stuff like that. Mm. And I'd love to, but it's just one of those things that yeah, definitely. I'd rather yeah. use my time to focus on something I'm already into. So, um, But I love making up riffs. I love making up melodies. I, I love all, all aspects of music creation. And so, yeah, so we ended up being like, okay, well, let's turn this into a bit more of a band and we had a bit of a you know trying to get a bass player in a small town is pretty hard so we end up getting getting someone in uh and then the vocalist was actually way easier uh we just sort of put it out there and we pretty much had four people in choir within the first 24 hours and um yeah and, and the most sort of responsive one ended up coming to uh, you know jam with us for a bit and that's that's how we got the band together. We've since replaced the bass player since then because he the one before was unreliable. We've got a, a solid lineup now. We've actually booked for our first show at the end of August, which is really exciting. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And is, so, is that just like at a, at a pub or something? Or yeah, yeah, the local. I mean, there's not that many places that like a heavy rock band can can play in in my town. It's probably yeah. three different places really, yeah, and yeah. this is like <laughs> the, the main pub. So mm. that's how it goes, and that's fine. And yeah, so I guess I actually technically bought my first acoustic drum kit about nine months ago, and I've been adding pieces to it since then, replacing cymbals and stuff. So my kit's sort of half new and half secondhand. Oh, sweet. Yeah. What what type of drum kit did you get? Uh, so it was one of the, per, the... The actual kit itself was a Pearl Forum series, Series 5, I think. It was in pretty good nick. You know, the guy was, wasn't selling it for too much. It was like... 500 bucks or something mm-hmm. but the hi-hat was crap it was terrible it just sounded like ass. so <laughs> mm. um i was like okay i just went to my local music shop and i was like okay i just want to replace just the cymbals part of it and then you know the hi-hats themselves and then soon realized that the stand itself was kind of falling apart so <laughs> and, and i wasn't quite happy with the 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 hi-hats themselves weren't heavy enough so they just were they were a bit too bright and a bit too I know uh, clanging I guess and so I've essentially got uh, I bought a new uh, brand new hi hat stand like a really awesome one and new set of hi hats uh, they they're the exact stand and model that the drummer from Corn uses because I was like I love that sound so I want that sound so I bought those and so I've essentially got this other new pair of hi hats the first ones that I got just sitting there unused. (laughs) Mm. Um, I think I was just in such a rush to to replace things that I didn't sort of sit and think, okay, I may as well buy like the better quality that I could afford rather than just, you know, rushing out. So, um, yes, I got that, got a new, uh, China, which just sounds so sick and, um, a new stand. So I could, it's like a little small sort of like elbow style stand that I can just hook onto the, the Tom rack. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's placed, you know, right in the middle. That's really cool. And I'll probably replace the ride symbol at some point soon. But hot tip. 
So I had not that much experience with drum tuning. And so, you know, we got this kit. And I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to tune the heck out of this. You know, <laughs> I've got to get to try and sound good. Everything was just reverb too much. And those, you can buy these little packs of drum gel pads. They're like a, probably about the size of a 50 cent coin each. And they're kind of like a little floppy kind of gel pad. Man, you put those on like the top, like near the edge of the rim on any tom. And they make them sound awesome. Oh, really? That was like, okay. yes, they are so cool. No no tape, no you know dampening it with anything, because that's what I was trying to do yeah. at the start, you know, put tape and all that sort of stuff on it. You li- it's like magic. Like, you put it on there, and I was like, and it just has the right, the rights, you know, you've obviously got to tune it, but it's not echoing everything. It's still got enough, you know, low end in it. And that was brilliant. <laughs> that was like, I got super excited about that. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> cool. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't yeah, know how many um, drum kits I've sat at, and it's just like, it looks like they're all broken. Like there's just tape everywhere where someone's like, oh, I can't get it tuned. So they just slap all this tape on it and try tape and all over it. Yeah. yeah. Make it sound decent. Yeah. But this is a, a much more aesthetically pleasing um, and so much easier just to be able to, you know, if, if one of them falls off, you just literally put it back on and it's just like new again. So yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at now. Oh, I also bought a brand new double kick as well. Oh and yes. What, yeah. Yes. Which is great. That's the, it was the Tama, uh, Tama Speed Cobra. And the hi-hat stand that I bought and the pedal, that was like the singular version of the Speed Cobra. So it's made to work. It's it's only got two legs poking out the back. So it gives enough space for the, the second, the left double kick pedal, hmm. which is what like when I was first trying to set up with the old hi-hat stand, they were kind of, you had to do a little bit of a, put the leg over here and it was getting in the way and it just was very awkward. Yep. Whereas this one is so much better. You just got all the space there and oh, so good. Um, and I think finally I bought um, just some new, uh, just some new beta pads like to stick on the on the front skin of of the kick, um, like a, a double width one just to allow for the the double kick beaters. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's going good. It's fun. Um, and the place where we're jamming is a that was actually one of the biggest things is trying to secure a jam space. And where we're jamming now is a, it's this brand new massive. Essentially, it's a massive shed with this big mezzanine in it, and it's a indoor roller derby rink. Oh, yep. That's, that's a really cool venue to do a rock show at, yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. But because, also, because it's a massive shed, it makes everything sound massive. So, <laughs> like, you know, you just a single kick just sounds like you're part of, you know, in some huge <laughs> stadium or something. It, it's yep. pretty awesome, so. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to take you back to the start where you said you, you uh, like your first instrument was pretty much like the uh, the turntable doing the DJ. I reckon that's a really interesting sort of first uh, first uh, go at music, I guess, because a lot of I remember my first uh, thing. I'm like, I want to have a go at. It's like you know the the typical thing what most most guys in year eight music want to do is the guitar. And, yes. And I wanted to, to uh, play guitar, and I was doing that, but it was actually. Um, was it 2008 uh guitar hero world tour came out and i got the mega pack with that and Mm. and, uh playing that i'm like i'm having a lot more fun hitting this thing than i am actually you know playing the actual uh the button guitar or whatever so i remember i was already in for a a guitar lesson with my music teacher and she said actually i want to play drums i want to try the drums and Sort of earlier that year, I had I had to try at drums, and I just I couldn't do like I couldn't do the basic rock beat. I had my like I couldn't cross my arms and do like the one, two, three, four. I just couldn't do it. But um, after a couple of uh, lessons, I actually you know got the beat down and sort of yeah take it off from there. Mm, mm. And uh, I actually got really lucky. There was a really good drummer in my 
year at school, but he ended up moving moving to a different school in the next town over. So I actually got to take on the role as the drummer in the school band. Oh, wow. Yeah. And at, at this time, I had no idea really what I was doing. Like, you know, I'm still learning. <laughs> you know, I, I could do like the basic rock beat. I could do like a, little, a few little cheeky feels here and there. But Oh, cheeky feel. Nice. Yeah, cheeky feel. But, but apart... <laughs> Sounds like a character, like a guy that, you know, oh, yeah, that's that's just cheeky feel, you know? <laughs> yeah, cheeky, yeah with, with a PH <laughs> feel. <laughs> Look at cheeky feel over there. Yeah. He, he plays fat beats with a PH. <laughs> 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 yeah so yeah like throughout high school i got to um be in the school band and that was a great experience we did like a we did a grease musical at one point that was a lot of oh, wow that was a lot of uh work and a lot of fun to do and uh met, met some like pretty cool people and it was good to sort of uh get the double off each uh each uh week i think i got, I got out of like biology or something which was awesome to yeah. go and play drums it's it's so good when you can score something like that you're like yeah. man and you get you get extra um size points so you don't have to you know do a, another boring subject it's really good i actually loved okay. it but what i struggled with is uh, also being from a small town none of my friends were musicians one of my friends he played bass but he he moved on and he sort of dropped out of it as well but i sort of struggled to find people to play with mm. there there were lots of people sort of uh, like old, older crowds that did jam sessions uh at a at Beachport near where um near where I live, but uh yeah, it just wasn't the same sort of like jamming out of the old older crowd just for like a yeah. you know different tastes and they've got um especially when I was like sort of beginning they had like they wanted me to be better than I was I guess like they sort of expected me to like know when to come in and when to go out and all that. I'm like, so so was they was they like you said they're uh, older crowd were they like just pub rock cover bands and stuff or yeah pretty much yeah I guess and they're, yeah. they're playing like. And like some of their songs, I did I wasn't familiar with just because different eras, different times. Mm, mm. Yeah, so I guess that's why I sort of dropped out of it, just for the fact that like I still love it, and I still when I listen to music, I actually like I, I listen to the drums. I hear the lyrics, I hear the drums, and everything else is in the background. Mm. So yeah, like uh, I, I really do love it, but it's just it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of a shame that it's uh, dropped by the wayside because it's like one of my it it gave me. Like playing in the school band and playing like uh, in the jam sessions, and it gives me like a uh, probably the biggest high that I've like you know ha- have in my life. It's just such a good feeling playing playing live music. It really music. is, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I still remember like that we played a Ramstein at a school assembly. <laughs> oh, what like, was it? Do Hast or? Oh, I think it was. I can't actually remember. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the song too. now. But <laughs> how's it go? Because oh, I can't even do it. That, now. That, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't listened to him in years now, but yeah, we did that school assembly. Like, we didn't. We obviously we didn't have a vocalist that could, you know, scream German. So we just had it as like an instrumental. But like, yeah, the assembly loved it because it was just because it was usually like you know the school band comes out, it's like flutes and whatever. But then there's like a bust that out. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It was it was awesome. Did you have any um any teachers in the school that like taught second languages and stuff? Uh, we did. We had uh, one uh, an Indonesian teacher, but I think he he left the second year I was there. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say, if you had a German teacher, what you need to do is just really rile them up, and then draw and you know, make them like run after you out into the stage, <laughs> like in their face. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It'd be the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you get like it's like this really nice uh, little like uh, G- German lady who's the teacher, and she yeah. just like cracks it. It's like. <laughs> 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 oh, that's fun. Yeah. So yeah, 
What's the na- what's the name of the uh, the band you're a part of? Uh, well, we haven't officially revealed it. Oh, yet, okay, okay, but, yeah, well, but, but <laughs> I, I did put a little thing on Twitter. So the it's a little bit of play on words. So the band's name is Liz Dexic because our okay. singer is quite proudly dyslexic, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the dyslexic pronunciation of the word dyslexic, like Liz Dexic, and we turned it into a name, like like mm. a, like a female's name, like L I Z space D E X I C. So yeah, it's quite on quite on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things that I don't think you know. I think if you if you were a, a band just poking like making fun of the name like that, and no one in your band actually you know experienced or had dyslexia or anything, I don't think you know that would be not a very good move. Whereas we we're kind of like should we should we? And she's kind of like. Well, you know, like it's it's something that she often just laughs at herself at about anyway, um, in terms of, you know, what she struggles with, particularly when it came to writing the lyrics and spelling correctly and everything. And because mm. um, I have a big hand in constructing lyrics and stuff, like I've helped helped her out a lot in, in that way. Yeah, you're good so, at your so words, we'll, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Um, and so, yeah, we're just kind of like, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of catchy. It's something, something different. And yeah, so we'll see how it goes. And I've, I made the logo and the logo is basically like a whole bunch of letters all jumbled up together. Like people that do struggle with, you know, dyslexia and stuff. Mm. Um, so they're all jumbled up together. And then the negative space is the word, uh, Liz Dexic. So it's, um, was a good opportunity for making an interesting logo too. Yeah, and that sounds awesome actually. Yeah, just like, I love names obviously with a like sort of like meaning behind them and not if you've got it included in the logo and everything, that's really cool. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, definitely. What would be your favourite drum? I know like, <clears throat> I've got mine, which mm. I absolutely love, but what would be your favourite drum on the kit? Or e- even a symbol, like piece, I'll say. What's your favourite piece on a drum kit? Piece. Uh, well, symbols wise, I'm really loving that china. Um, it's just so savage mm. and it just cuts right it just makes anything heavy but in terms of the actual core of the kit uh, oh, this is a hard one I'm trying I'm stuck between kick and snare right now because that's where I mainly play around right like I'm sure we'll move on to you know sort of struggles of you know I guess learning drums and stuff but yeah. the the key area I need to improve in is tom fills and so I've always kind of, I usually go into it, I'm getting better, but I go into it a bit unconfident. Mm. And so, but, but kick snare is like my, that's like my, my home ground. You know what I mean? That's, I can always rely on that. I can always just, you know, pull off like interesting variations, you know, without even thinking about it. But if it comes to try and, you know, doing a, a, a fast tom fill or something or doing something, I'm sort of like, I'm better at doing stuff that's a bit sort of slinkier and slow, slower and kind of got a bit of swing to it, like those type of tom fills. Whereas, I want to sometimes, if we're playing a faster tempo song, is I want to come in and just peel it out, bang on time. And it, it's, I usually just, if, if I don't start it off right, then I'll just mess it up and it ends up just becoming sort of like a two hit sort of thing. So, yeah. so, so I've, I've tried not to overthink it really. I'm trying to sort of, I, I'm trying to sort of resign myself to the fact, and I've had this, uh, you know, suggestion from a lot of other drummers and people playing bands is as a drummer, don't worry about it trying to look cool. Like a, pulling off a song in time and just and it matches the music is far more important than trying to pull off something fast or tricky on stage yeah because if you stuff it up you're going to look like a fool and you're going to ruin exactly. you're going to ruin everyone's <laughs> uh yeah you're going to throw everyone out yeah yeah that'd probably be mine actually like when i hear like an awesome sounding tom there's like there's like fill in like in the middle of a song i'm like it gives me goosebumps honestly yeah i love them yeah yeah and that's why like i'm the same as you like you're like you, you you're sort of counting the bars and you're thinking, 
oh god, like oh, I want to do a cool fill in this bit. Then you like you think it, think of it, then you just like do a little thing on the on the snare, like oh, that'll do, that'll do. <laughs> that's yeah, what, that's yeah. the fill. I won't <laughs> I won't uh, do that because if I come back on on, on the offbeat or something, it's gonna sound bad and it's gonna yeah, throw everyone exactly. off, and they're gonna look at me, and I'm gonna start sweating, <laughs> and I'm gonna stuff it up even more. But yeah. I, I I usually end up defaulting to using like a big powerful either floor tom and kick or like all together with the snare just like strike downs to to use that as a feel in between so you could be playing a beat and then chucking like a dun 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 yeah. right in there it's like a real and as the heaviness rather than trying to do like a like a or anything like that yeah just just coming in with something that's like simple but tribal that's i i usually end up resorting to that if i'm playing and thinking okay i'm gonna go for this and then th- and then at the last second be like no i'm just gonna chuck in this this uh you know this sort of floor tom stomp instead and uh yeah that's it that seems to work so yeah like yeah it's drum feels can be like the coolest thing i i absolutely absolutely love them uh, yeah so we'll we'll move on to uh i guess yeah what you said before some of the struggles and uh some of the things we've we've found hard sort of uh while learning to play drums on even if it's something you're still struggling with now. So I guess we'll start off like around the start when you're sort of learning the drums. What what was something that you found uh, challenging to start off with? The main thing was um, just trying to do, trying to break that barrier of when you're starting out, you know, your your kick is, is on, on the beat, perfectly on the beat, perfectly just like you're literally just going like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the first time I did like a like a dum, 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 I was like, oh my god, oh. oh my god, like I just it feels yeah, so good. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I'm a professional. Like this is <laughs> it was so it was so funny because I was I was like I actually did it because I I could not I was so naive you know like and so inexperienced I could not wrap my head around how someone just made their foot do something different than you know outside of that actual just core core bars and core time mm. signature and i think as soon as that as soon as you open that up it, you just you're so less rigid and you're so much freer and suddenly that allows you to chuck in little tricky things um where and and it's got to the point now that i usually that's a lot of what i end up doing is kind of sort of as i said sort of groovy stuff around the kick and that that's basically where where i'm sort of most mostly focused at now particularly with uh the double kick is i go less for like a straight up, you know, full on double kick and more for just little, little double kick fills and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, like, you know, I might be doing like a, like, like a little roll or something like that. And that's, that's what I'm having a lot of fun with at the moment. So I think once I've kind of really got that down pat, then I kind of really focus on the toms afterwards. So that's sort of the phase I'm at of, of learning, but now, but um, yeah, starting out, it was more just, how can I do the things that all these other drummers make look so easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you just see them play on stage and they're not even, you know, when you were first playing, you're really trying to either keep a focused look in the distance and, and <laughs> I, I can't stuff this up or you're actually really looking at your hands. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when when you go see a band and they've got their eyes closed, they're throwing sticks in the air and stuff and you're like, how the... Yeah, it's all just, you know, practice and with practice comes confidence. Yeah. So. So sometimes when I'm just... When I'm playing in my room, just like got my iPod in my ears and I'm just like playing away. Sometimes I like close my eyes <laughs> and just like get into it oh, that definitely. way. Yeah, they, it, definitely. I, I, I do that. I find myself doing that at jam a lot actually. You do, yeah. Especially especially if you get into a bit that you know the drumming isn't um, isn't going to be overly complex, but it's a bit that really has that emotional feel to it. So I think another thing that I've been really trying to put into the songs is more the feeling of the drums. So rather than coming in all guns blazing, 
and just trying to do something cool sounding or heavy sounding, just really coming in with like the the intensity and or or, or how soft you might hit the drums. Mm. So we do we sort of do we've got a couple of songs with clean intros and you try and just really just lightly bring in that symbol like it's sort of thing and and then you can bring it back down and then you can do little like little bits in between lightly on top between the cymbals and the bells and stuff and then you sort of collectively as a band when you can feel it building up and everyone's playing a little bit louder and then suddenly you just come in with like a big flourish and hit the china cymbal like with a shh and they just come in with a massive hit and then everyone together is just boom and it's on and those moments I'm like going from nothing to this really powerful sound that that is what like I, I play that and I've either got my eyes closed or I've got goosebumps or something mm. and that's the sort of thing that I get from that I love getting from music and it's, it's sort of like that's sort of the next step of drumming like you can hit you can hit like the drums in the right order but actually like giving it the feeling is sort of the next step of I guess becoming mm. like a really good drummer sort of reminds mm. me of a, a lot of people saying like oh ACDC you know the, the drumming in those songs is real easy it's just basic rock beat but um, the, the way like the drums come across in their songs is like really powerful and really strong. Oh yeah. You know, and plus yeah. like a, a song like Back in Black, that's like the go-to, that's like, that's like a, almost like a, um, like a rudimentary thing that a lot of drummers would teach their students. Like mm. you need to learn to play this like perfectly because it doesn't need to be tricky. Like they, they, they defined essentially just like meat and potatoes, sort of rock and heavy rock sort of riffs. And it's just, it's got a certain, you know, th- there's no point in having fills all over the place in an ACDC song. They, you know, it's, you know what you get. It, it has, it has a certain, you know, it gets everyone into it. It's got a certain groove to it. And, it serves its purpose like that. I guess that's the thing is that's kind of made me say um, on a recent episode of Take My Tone, uh, I guess Dane brought in Metallica and there's always that thing, you know, running joke amongst people into metal that Lars isn't, you know, Lars isn't a, a great drummer. Like he thinks he's great, but he's not sort of thing. And it wasn't until I sort of went back and listened to some of that older material that while yes, he does way less in the way of double kick or, or, technical feels or anything like that there was a lot of stuff they did involving strange time signatures and things like that and just knowing you know still providing the drive for the music and letting giving more space for the riffs than that rather than just trying to be all out drum machine yeah so yeah yeah it's just another one of those things where like these really good drummers make it look really easy so if you're just hearing one two three one two three or Mm. one two three four one whatever it might be like you know you can sit back and say oh i can do that and you get on the kit but you won't be able to make it sound as good as they do like (laughs) Mm, mm. yeah exactly plus even stuff i remember my dad telling me because he's huge rolling stones fan and the rolling stones drummer right okay yeah he's he's playing quite yes relatively like simplistic stuff right to suit the music but amongst a lot of drummers he's kind of almost referred to as the human metronome like yes he plays sort of basic beats but he plays them perfectly in time and he's highly regarded for having such good timing and that that in itself is kind of like a hidden skill like you don't you know you can get um i remember seeing like a lot of particularly myself being into metal and stuff there's various other bands that have the, the drummers doing this crazy stuff but they sound kind of sloppy you know because they're it, it, it's there's just so much going on and it's kind of like i guess making the song too busy or whatever that when it comes live you find out that by the time they've come out of their fill or whatever, 
the guitars are ahead of where they're meant to be yeah, and yeah. things like that you know <laughs> yep. whereas the, yeah so there is something to be said for drums that really just serve their purpose for the song rather than just trying to prove yourself as a skilled musician or anything yeah like making each part of the kit actually speak for itself not just have like mm. not just have it all going at once actually like yeah yeah it's just yeah. hearing like a, a sick feel on the toms and you can hear like the like the bass drum just like going, it's like oh, sh-, like hearing how fast it's going. Like sometimes that can be impressive, just how fast it is. But it can also come across as a blah, 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 as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I-, I forgot to ask you as well. Uh, did you get drum lessons uh, to learn, or did you learn sort of just by yourself? Oh, just by myself. Just by yourself. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I- I've always wanted to seek out drum lessons, particularly for the stuff involving just learning the proper drum rudimentaries and and mm. and as I said before, stuff to do with tong fills. But at the same time, it's kind of exciting just figuring it out yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I actually play, I play different to you. Um, I'm left-handed and I play like open. So okay, my, yep. left, my left arm is on the hi-hat. The hi-hat and everything is still in the same place as you would have it. But my left arm is mm. on the hi-hat, my right arm's on the snare. So there's no crossing over. But then if I want to play on my right cymbal, which is all the way over the other side, I've got to cross my arms. Oh, big time for that. wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, is that, did that feel awkward at first? Because that's like a, that'd be, that'd be quite a reach, I would imagine, to sort of. It, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's funny enough, I tried swapping the ride and the crash over to have the ride central, mm. but it was actually ended up being more of a strain ha- having your arm lifted that high um, rather than crossing it over. So now I just. I basically position it so the ride is sort of overhanging the floor tom a fair bit, but still en- enough that I don't accidentally hit it. And I've I've managed to have it quite low and yeah, overhanging that my arm is still crossed over, but it's it's sort of in a in a comfortable enough position that it's uh it's because there's this song that we'll probably open with actually, and probably the song that we plan on recording is a demo which has just a lot of uh, particularly the verses. It's quite a basic beat, but a lot of ride on it. And I remember when we were writing that song, I was just like, man, should I just switch a symbol because my arm is getting really tired? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Because, yeah. like, I remember I like sat down in the drum kit, I had no idea how to use it, whatever, and uh, one of the guys who was my friend who, who's who been playing drums all throughout primary school, and I assume he still plays, I haven't seen him in years, but he said, oh, swap your arms over. I'm like, oh, this feels weird. I don't like this. But obviously, you know, I didn't know anything before then, so learning that way, that's how I play now. And that's how, mm-hmm. that's how they teach you, but... If you can if you can play a drum kit anyway, it doesn't really matter if you play with your feet, if you play with your mouth, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, um, because I I just can't. I've I mean, obviously, not being right-handed, it's it's not ever going to really feel natural. But I've really a- actively tried to cross my hands and just play a basic beat, and it is so hard mm. for me to just have my right you know right arm on on i had and the left because i'm like w- there's no space to swing your arm for the snare like <laughs> yeah. i just i don't get it i keep hitting my arm but then yeah again then you've got the advantage of just playing full open you know arms wide open for a bit of ride and snare or something like that yeah so, yeah i guess yeah. it all comes with its uh, pros and uh, negatives i guess but uh, so yeah. you're you are left-handed you write with your left hand Yes, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. I have a re- really unco left-handed grip. So yeah, because I <laughs> I write with my left hand as well, but um, oh. most other things, I think I I shoot uh like shotgun with a left-handed. I write left-handed, but everything else mm. is uh is right-handed. Like I kick a ball with my right foot, you know, play drums. I guess right-handed. Mm, same, same. Mm. Uh, like like not the drum scene, but I. I would yeah, brush my teeth left-handed. I will draw left-handed, but I use a computer mouse with the right hand. I would play sports like a right-hander would, um, but I play left-handed. So, 
Actually, yeah. did you ever play the Nintendo Wii? Did you ever play that with the Wiimote nunchuck? Yeah, yep. It, yep. Did you play that left-handed, like with the uh, Wiimote in your left and the nunchuck in the right hand? Uh, no, I do. I go nunchuck left, Wiimote right. Yeah, because my, my my right arm is actually feels dominant for any physical. So like, it's weird. Like, as I say with the with the drums, you know, I'm playing this sort of like open style. Yeah. But still, I I just it, it's it's really strange. Like. It's like, okay, yeah, do all stuff with my left hand, but my right arm feels like just like the dominant one to go for involving mm. any sort of swing in the Wiimote, swing in the baseball bat or whatever. So Yeah, I, I just brought it up because I had a friend who uh, was left-handed and she she used to swap over the, the, like, the Wiimote and she used to play like completely the mm. opposite way and it just looks so hard. Because obviously, if you pick up if you pick up any other game controller, you're always con- moving the character or whatever with your uh, left thumb. But if you swap that over, it's just completely opposite. Yeah, and and it's not yeah, like it's not like she couldn't use a, a a normal game controller. She was fine with that. But just with the Wii, she had to swap it around, and that that always just made me scratch my head because I'm like, I'm left-handed, but I'm not as extreme as some other people. Like some other people just can't do anything <laughs> right-handed. Yeah, it's weird though because yeah. I I I treat the nunchuck thing like the 64 controller. Like I'm using my left thumb for the joystick, and so I, therefore I'm using my left hand for the, you know the jo- the the nunchuck and my right hand for the buttons you know the Wiimote so yeah so that makes sense to yeah. me but yeah this uh, yeah she just uh, <laughs> she just did it a completely different w- way but yeah. but then funnily enough if I were to pick up a guitar um, I hold it upside down um, oh right you know, unless, yeah, it's, unless it's a left-handed guitar mm. yeah so I'll be left on that and that looks weird when you see from a from a you know music yeah. w- if you're in the audience and you watch someone play left-handed it looks Strange, because you're so used to seeing right-handers. So. Especially if it's just someone else's guitar and all the strings are just upside down as well. Well, that's how uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, oh, did, did he? played, apparently. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess, however you learn, I guess you get used to it. But Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, you ever, did you ever learn how to like uh, read drum music, or do you just sort of uh, no, go with the flow? I just, I, yeah, I just listen to it. And, uh, but I know a lot of people like that. Like, you know, yeah, you got... Well, first of all, it's, it's getting rarer and rarer for people to actually read actual sheet music. But you still get a lot of people, you know, learning guitar that follow tabs and things like that. Yeah. But um, I, n- I never did that. I'll just like listen to it and try and remember it. But it's helped a lot for me, um, not in terms of reading stuff, but by using more stuff involving drum programming. So like I did a tweet recently about how you know, in between jams, you know, I don't have my kit on me. It's at the jam space. So I literally only get to practice once a week. And I was like okay, um, I really need to define what parts I want to do for this song because, you know, we've got this show coming up and we're still working on finishing off some of these originals. And my guitarist had a had some, had some some of the guitar recorded just so we could listen to it and stuff. So I took that. He had it recorded to a click and everything. So I was able to chuck it in GarageBand and then just program all my parts from there to it. And it was great. It was just a really great way of just figuring out, okay, exactly. Because anytime we'd play it, I'm like, should I be adding more here? Like, is this too stripped back or whatever? And it was just a really good opportunity to actually listen to it with the riff rather than while you're playing. Because, you know, when you're playing drums, it's obviously a lot louder. You're right there at the kit and you're trying to hear this guitar that's mm. yeah, you know, yeah. a certain distance away. Whereas if you can listen to it like a, like you would listen to a recording, I was like, oh no, I was actually, you know, I, I was probably doing the right amount of, of things when we were jamming it. And now, I've, now that I've define what I want to do it's made me so much more excited for the song because anytime we would jam it I'm like I'm still figuring it out still, still figuring it out and now I've done this and um, then we pass that on to our singer and then she's managed to be able to listen to it closely and figure out her melodies better 
and stuff. So it's it's really, and this is all through within Dropbox. You know, we're going to share Dropbox, and just we're just chucking ideas here and there. And we record, um, you know, at Jam, our uh, guitarist might set up his you know phone camera, and just so we can listen back or or whatever. And it's it's just a really interesting way of making most of the time in between jams because we're not together then so yeah i i just thought i'd ask because um in the school band obviously we were made to like read music we we're given like every song had sheet music we were given we had to like read it and play it but sort of like after i got a bit more sort of confident on the kit i just started like all right i have a know the song and I know the beat and I'll just play it and do it in my own way like whether it's the feels or whatever or I'll go and like YouTube the song and just listen to it mm. I found mm. that easy but it, it was good at the start sort of just because you can just read like you know one two three four then you're like one two and three four or whatever the the beat might be it sort of helped me get sort of the basic uh, beats out but yeah I just thought mm. yeah thought it was interesting because a lot of people don't bother unless uh, you're sort of at school and is part of the, the criteria <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I um, I kind of think that is unless there's something that's really like a, like a signature part of the song. If you're playing rock music or pop rock music or whatever, it's so it's to me it'd be so much more pressure for the guitarist to have their stuff right or the singer to have their stuff right rather than the drummer. Like you could probably get away with just playing like four. Say the song was four four throughout. Mm. And you could just go, okay, I'm bring it bring it down a bit more basic for the verse, chorus, you know, bring it up, add a bit more symbol, bring it back down for the verse, yeah. and you could probably just get by. And if people don't, people are going to be more focused on listening to, say, the guitar melody or the or the vocals, as opposed to like you're just pro- you're providing the rhythm, right? And I, I kind of feel like at least you have, and that would be an advantage in a in like a cover band as well, you know, especially if you're playing like pub rock stuff. A lot of it has got those sort of general time signatures and that i kind of feel like you know if you're relying on that and the fact that people will be half drunk you'll probably uh get get through the set all right <laughs> yeah i guess uh sort of the last topic i want to touch on before i let you go is uh what what's some of your favorite songs and favorite bands to sort of uh sort of play on drums so essentially favorite favorite drummers really or an example of oh just like uh for example in high school uh, my favorite band was Fallout Boy, so I used to play like a mm. lot of Fallout Boy songs. When um, my song knows what you uh, what you did in the dark when that came out, I just loved playing that on drums. I played that. Mm. I might have played mm. like that again and again and again, just in my bedroom for about you know two hours at a time. I just like loved the beat, loved everything about it. So something something like that. Okay, a, so yeah. in um, if you talk about it from the start in high school. The biggest rivalry we had was between the Blink-182 fans and the Slipknot <laughs> fans. So that's Travis Barker versus Joey Jordison. And I was very much like, yep, Joey Jordison's my favourite. He's like, so awesome. He goes on drum riser. He goes upside down. He can play hell fast, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's 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 not. And it, I, I loved it. I still love it to this day. Hmm. Um, but that was really the thing that was all about in high school. It's like, no, Travis Barker's the best drummer in the world. No, Joey's the best drummer in the world. You know? <laughs> and, and that was all just people comparing speed and stuff, really. It, it wasn't. I mean, both both are brilliant, brilliant drummers, but it wasn't say like a you know someone like Neil Peart from Rush is regarded as you know one of the world's best drummers, and you know he's not playing that that style of music, so it's really open to yeah you know, I guess the, the styles of music you like as well as well as you know technical skill. But so for me, that was my driving force for drums was was Joe Dawson when I was um when I was in high school. But now it's oh, so hard to choose a favorite. Some of my favourites would be Ray uh, Luzier from Korn. He's probably my favourite overall because of the style of music he plays. Yep. 
um, mm. and and his talent as well. Like he's got he's got the groove so well, but he's got the heaviness. I'm absolutely blown away by Bran Daler from Mastodon. His fills are insane. He's like the fill master. And it, you know, even if I could pull <laughs> off like if I could pull off like a quarter of one of his fills. I'd blow my own mind. Like that's and and he his kit is so much smaller than than it, he makes it sound, and that is just brilliant. So I love the fact he can do that. There's bands like like the technic the just sheer time signature technicality of someone like um, Danny Carey from Tool or um, Thomas Hark from Sugar. They're playing like three different signatures at the same time almost like their feet are doing something different from their hands doing something different from the other hand uh that's insane and in terms of drum sound one of my favorite drum sounds on a record is uh mudvane's album ld50 just something about the kick is the right amount of punch but it's not too clicky like some metal records and the snare just sounds so cool and so that paired with um the bass which i mentioned on previous episode of some assembly required the Mudvayne bass player being, you know, probably my favorite musician, mm. that as a rhythm section, oh, so good. So that's probably where I'm at. I'll probably end this recording and be like, I should have mentioned this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, but those, uh, they spring to mind. Mm. Yeah, there are, yeah, there's so many, especially when like, I, I find, I find myself, uh, if I, if I'm really enjoying a band, like I'll go and look up like who the drummer is and all that stuff. But there's like a lot of, a lot of, uh, sort of bands, which I'm like, I like a lot, but like, I don't know like all the members of them. Mm. So mm. I guess, I guess it's a bit hard, but I guess, yeah, f- for me, especially in high school, like a uh, fallout boy and fallout boy is probably one of the bands I've gone to see the most. And, uh, yeah, seeing, uh, Andy basically, uh, shred the drums there was really cool experience like um because you know fallout boy most of their career they've been like more like popular um pop sort of music rather than yeah yeah they're uh where they where they come from sort of the pop punk sort of a uh, realm but he plays in i'm pretty sure him and maybe the fallout boy guitarist play in a they don't play in a band with like scott ian from anthrax which like you know the, the 80s thrash metal band mm, yeah they, like they play they they play in like another band that's heavier is that correct yeah, well, I, yeah I can't remember the name of the band but they did jump around a fair bit because uh, Fall Out Boy were on hi- uh, hiatus for like mm. six years something, or something it's, it's, yeah, yeah it's just like an interesting sort of unexpected super group it was like you know, got a band like Fall Out Boy crossing over with like these sort of different legends from various heavier uh, you know bands and stuff so yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I like it when people can do that because you kind of like, it, you know, it sort of gives a bit more credibility for people that would sort of write off Fallout Boy altogether because of just their sound. As you said, you've seen their drummer live and him just like peeling out some skills and stuff that you may not necessarily hear on standard Fallout Boy songs. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was that it was that Soundwave actually, and they just like they like brought out like the flames and everything like that. Everyone else went off stage, and it was just him in the middle on his drum kit, and he did like a five-minute solo. It was absolutely awesome, and like wow. we weren't really expecting that because you know solos and sort of all that type of thing isn't really in like traditionally in Fallout Boy songs, especially like the last few albums where like you know drums are sort of fading into the background and they're sort of bringing in more like experimental sort of sounds. Mm, mm. But yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I remember I did like a uh, full music class. You had to like do a. Uh, a project on certain drummers and I did one on him and it's like yeah it's really really cool I love it when you get to do stuff like yeah, that yeah. like I remember doing oh, uh, there was a th- what was it we had to do some thing in like English it was like write about you had to write some article about 
someone you admire or whatever. And, and I did this full piece about, what was it? It was something to like do with how a lot of, you know, these news sources that try and link drugs and, and various things like that and <laughs> satanic things mm. with like metal. And my thing was kind of like the counter argument to that. And it was just so fun to do because I got to stand up there and just like list off all these people that I like and play song samples to the class and trying to explain, you know, it, this is almost like the precursor to Take My Tone, really. It's like I got to explain what the lyrics meant and what actually went into this song. And I've always been into that. So, yeah, that was fun, even though a lot of my other classmates were kind of screwing up their face being like, what, what what's this crap that we're listening to so <laughs> yeah like yeah well i i imagine in high school i would have been one of those people like i remember i remember i remember thinking like oh i can't stand this or oh, i didn't say that i can't stand it. it's like oh, i don't really like this screamo stuff um but out of high school i'm like and now like i love it like just like it, 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 it just like grew on me and yeah I, I get the same from other people especially my girlfriend she's like the hell are you listening to it's like why do you like this but it's just like it's it's just it's just pure energy when you're in the mood for just like being the best you can be and you're like full of energy it's not Mm. people Mm. often think that metal and like heavy music means like sad angry whatever so it doesn't necessarily mean that it means it's a lot more positive to me than i think a lot of people who don't understand it it, take it yeah it's more like a cathartic kind of experience and a a release and people to that you know whether you're playing the music or you're in the crowd as a way to just like just just either have a good time or release some tension mm. or whatever you know yell, yell your, your your lungs out and stuff so yeah yeah it's um but it is funny though because that that kind of also shows the difference in even just our ages because uh you say screamo but that wasn't even like a term yeah okay. when i was yeah, in yeah. high school so <laughs> <laughs> um but it is funny as you say also with your girlfriend like my wife is convinced that I only listen to songs about um, sacrificing goats and pillaging villages. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I just don't like goats, you know, just oh, sacrifice just, them. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, to, to be fair, when I was um, when I was in high school, and um, it's, I'm still very into a band like Slipknot, but particularly back then, all I wanted to do was get a pet goat because I wanted to like just like have a pet goat. And I wanted to dye his beard blue, um, <laughs> and just like. Like, like have a black goat and just be like, yeah, this is my pet. Check it out. Like, <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, because my, my girlfriend as well, she's terrified of goats. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. I think she used to uh, deliver pizza and uh, I think she went to a place and she got chased by a goat. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's an interesting story. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that we'll save that for another day, Simon. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Simon, thank you very much for coming on the Drew story. It was a lot of fun being able to talk to, to you about all this. And yeah, I'm always really keen to sort of set up my drum kit again, but it hasn't been set up for the last two years because, like, you know, I've, been, I've moved um, to a new place and it just hasn't been set up. And like, I'm in town now. I used to be out on the farm. Mm-hmm. It was a lot easier now. But I, I hear my uh, neighbour every now and again sort of drum. So I'm like, oh well, they won't mind, obviously, if they're also drummers. So. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I hope so because that's how we lost our original jam space. Was uh, the neighbours around our guitarist house started throwing rocks at the jam shed? So, oh shit! Uh, yeah, and then he started getting noise complaint letters in the mail, and that's when we had to move elsewhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, your area looks really cool now from the photos you put on social media. So. Oh yeah, yeah. man, it's it, it's in a big industrial area too. So there's no houses like for ages. 
So it's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So if uh, people want to find you on social media or the uh, the podcast and the many things you do, uh, where can they find mm. them? Okay. So I guess all of us collectively as podcasters seem to be most active on Twitter. And so my own handle is at Precise Path. I also have two podcasts, um, one called Apple Size Podcast, which is uh, all about you know, if you love Apple tech and tech news and the like, do that each fortnight. And my newer one, which I'm really stoked on, which is more applicable to this show, this episode, is what I've mentioned before, and that's Take My Tone. This is basically myself and a different guest each week just sharing a song and you know, giving our thoughts and opinions on it. And yeah, it's quite an interesting uh, music discovery. Sometimes I get people loving what I offer them, and sometimes I don't. So I guess you just got to listen to find out how it goes. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, and I definitely recommend it because Simon's uh, podcast, Take My Tone, is uh, sort of what got me thinking about music again, uh, finding mm, new music nice. and thinking about drumming again and all that stuff. So I, I, I thank you for that. And uh, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks thanks for having me on. Um, for because you know I'm also you know now that we're you know blowing smoke up each other's asses. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm so stoked for, like, obviously I've come across Drew initially because of House of Mario, but you launching a, a podcast like this and all the other stuff you, you're doing and really just, you know, take, taking, taking hold of the, of the horns of podcasting and uh, mm. really driving that to a, to a, to a whole you know, bunch of different ventures. Um, I think it's fantastic. It's, it's really inspiring to see, um, someone kind of just like growing their interest in podcasting and covering, you know, having a platform like this one, Drew Story, to be able to do something completely different to, you know, Nintendo talk and that. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see how it goes. Obviously, a big fan of podcasts and we'll see how it, how it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Catch you later. Yeah, see ya. Thank you so much for listening to A Drew Story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Because of your support, we're able to get into the new and noteworthy section of society and culture and games and hobbies on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It's actually been a a goal of mine to be featured there, and I can't thank you all enough for your support. And also, if you would like to listen to exclusive podcasts and gain extra perks, check out patreon.com slash idruby. Thank you to my Patreon supporters, Brendan White, Paul James, Dash Gamer, Dylan Blight, Ashley Hobley, Simon Blackburn, as you might recognise from the show, Dane Peavy, Jamie Penning, Ryan Betson, Seamus Smullins, and Eric Zuch. <laughs> Actually, when getting ready to launch this, I was a bit worried no one was going to show up and that the exclusive podcast we're all making was going to go to waste. So, thank you guys very much, and I can't wait to build this into something special. Until next time, guys, have a good one. A Drew Story is lovingly crafted and recorded in the southeast of South Australia. The show is produced and hosted by me, Drew Agnew. If you enjoy my work here and on my other podcasts, The House of Mario, Encore at The House of Mario, and Kraken Furfies, help spread the word by sharing us with a mate or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to show further support and help me achieve my goal of freeing up one working day a week to spend more time refining and creating podcasts, please consider checking out patreon.com slash idruby 
where for only $1, you get access to my secret recordings where I share everything behind the scenes. A big thank you to the legend DJ for supporting the content at the podcast producer level on Patreon. From the bottom of my heart, thank you.